It was around dawn on September 20th, 1961. Barney and Betty Hill arrived home to Portsmouth, New Hampshire from a vacation to Niagara Falls when they realized that something was not right. The last hour or so of the drive was strange. Their thoughts were jumbled. They had spotty memories of the last part of their drive home. Just the general feeling that something was wrong. When they were about to go in the house, Betty thought it was best to keep their luggage by the back door instead of bringing it into the main part of the house. They discovered their watches had stopped working and would never work again. Well, I don't think we checked our watches until we are almost home to see what time it was, and both our watches had stopped functioning. And you could not account for some time elapsed? No, the trip, we realized the trip had taken much longer than what it should have. Maybe about two hours. Barney had a pair of binoculars, and the strap was torn. Betty's dress was also torn. There were shiny, concentric circles on their car's trunk that had not been there the previous day. She talked to a physicist Mm -hmm. who said, go out with a compass and check out the spots, which we did. What happened? And the compass was very, very erratic. Almost spinning or just... it was... Uh, the, and we tried it on different other parts of the car, and it didn't react. That but way. just near where the spots were, just the uh, spots. hence the inference being a magnetic anomaly. Yeah. Something was 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 really distorting the magnetic uh, uh, draw of the compass. Yeah. They knew something happened, but they didn't know exactly what. The memories were incomplete, fragmented. They knew they'd been through an unexplainable experience, and they were determined to fill the gaps that they couldn't remember. On this episode of Skinny Matt's Tinfoil Hat, The Abduction of Betty and Barney Hill. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Skinny Matt's Tinfoil Hat. My name is Andy. Uh, and I am Skinny Matt. Ahoy, hoy. Ahoy, hoy, Skinny Matt. How are ahoy, you? Ahoy, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, I've been working a lot lately. We're uh, amping that's, up that's for good a, to hear. a semi-summer season, which is fun. So this is about this is our first episode about aliens. Yes. First of, I'm guessing, many, many uh, episodes about aliens. Many. Aliens are a great subject for this show. Um. Aliens are like for me. Uh, even though I still am very skeptical about aliens, yeah, I'm probably less skeptical about alien aliens and right. UFOs, right? Than most other things that. What What would you say? What movie would you say kind of got you into thinking that aliens might be might be something other than just science fiction? Like, what made you what? Um, like was there anything was out movie. there? I I no I don't know if it's a if it's a movie that 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 put me on the doubtful plane. I think it was, it, I think it was honestly like George Knapp and that reporting on Area Fifty One. Okay, and and some more recent things like the New York Times coming out with the article about the UFOs that the government released. Yes, like these aren't kook sources, right? Well, These, this isn't anything. Well, this isn't from they you know. Those weren't kook sources either. Like, 
Yes, they were. Betty, Betty, Betty and Barney Hill were not kook sources. Well, we'll get into that later. We will, but, but still, I'm just saying, like, you can't, you can't say that evident, like, just because it's hasn't been refuted, that like it hasn't been proven falsely or true, you can't say that they're kook. Like, that's just like an attack. No, I'm just I, what you I'm saying is that is that if a when a government entity and the New York Times, like two two people who two sources that aren't notorious for what lying outright lies and bullshit. <laughs> All right. I'll let right? you think that. They're they're more they they have they're they're held to a higher standard than the guy at the table at the UFO conference, you know, mm. who's selling a book. I don't I don't know. Like they're held to a higher standard. And I believe them more than I believe the the nut who's trying to sell his book. But or his podcast or his but what about the people that aren't or, that aren't doing that? What about the people that just that it happened to them? That they believed it happened. Well, I think I think we should get into that later after the bit. Right. After your bit. All right. I've got saying. plenty to say on it. But all I'm saying is that I and I also think the reason that I am on the fence about this is because of where I'm from. I think that growing up like my whole life in Southern Nevada, mm-hmm. aliens have been kind of a fixture since like the early 80s. Yeah, it's been a thing. Have you ever seen UFOs in the valley? I've never seen any. My mother yeah. says she has. I have. You say you have, I right? Have. Yeah, me and my dad. Yeah. A couple times, actually. But yeah, one one notable one. It was actually on the news that night. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah, there it's it's in our DNA down here. Yeah. You know, so I think that's one of the reasons why I think that and you know, like like everyone says, like life on other planets is, you know, it's it doesn't seem to be that far off. There's life on ours, and the universe is really, really big and vast. Right, right. You know, but I've also I also have thoughts on that later too. But we're gonna do a million alien episodes. I don't want to blow. I, I want to piece out my That's alien funny. stuff. I just I want to dig you know? right into it. Like you just you're hitting all my all my juicy notes of like I don't understand how you can't not believe in some some of that stuff. Well, I, I'll explain why I can't, All right. but, and I might explain it this episode, or I might explain it on our Roswell episode, well, or I might explain it on our fire in the sky episode, <laughs> or I might explain it, you might do it on, on our area 51 episode, you might or do it, whatever. You might do it on all of them, but this episode, we do need to explain something to all of our loyal listeners. Yes, right? that's true. We do have to. Yes. Uh, so Andy, I think I'll let you, I'm. Still a little heartbroken. I'll let you tell the story. Okay. Just because. Okay. So, so we have some good news and some bad news. Uh, the bad news is this is the last episode of Skinny Matt's Tinfoil Hat. Womp womp. I'm very womp. sad to announce. Yeah. Uh, the good news is we're just changing the name of the show. Yeah, that's it. And from he- from here on out, <laughs> it will be known as Say It, Matt. Skinny Matt's Bunker Tapes. That's right, Skinny Matt's bunker Skinny tapes. Skinny Matt's bunker tapes. Oh, I'm so excited. We are bringing you the the incredible archive of Skinny Matt's bunker tapes. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> There's so many of them. They're unlabeled and just mismatched all throughout the fucking all throughout the my home. That's great. Yeah. All so throughout the bunker. we we devised we thought of Skinny Matt's tinfoil hat back in 2012, and we didn't start anything up with it. It was just an idea that we were futzing with, and it would come and it would go. We didn't really actually begin it until we started this. Right. Uh, it took a pandemic but, for us to actually sit down and do a podcast together. 
Yeah, it did take that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyhow, uh, there are a lot of other tinfoil hat podcasts. There's one really, really popular one mm-hmm. that came out in about 2016. And we just thought that we wanted to stand out on our own. And in order to do that, we needed a very original name. And it's nice because I think that Bunker Tapes kind of includes more of what the show is. Like, we're not just conspiracy theorists. Like, we're we're right. all over the tapes. It's like I'm sitting in my basement and hitting record play on different discs of different albums and genres. And we're going to play all those yeah. things, not just conspiracy stuff. So. Right. At the end of the day, it's all about your wacky ideas and... Yeah, that's right. And it's all about me. Response to those ideas. It's all about this big, big, beautiful brain I got up here. Not putting it to waste. Well, (laughs) beautiful. It's big. I wear a size eight hat, mother trucker. I got a big ass head. Can't go hat shopping. More of a big ass skull. (laughs) Either way, it's it's. I think it's all skull. (laughs) It's thick. Uh, but anyhow, from here on out, we will be known as Skinny Matt's Bunker Tapes. We're going to be changing all the things. Now, listen, uh, there are some listeners out there who bought T-shirts, who bought stickers, who you know, who actually have some merchandise in their hand with Skinny Matt's tinfoil hat. Now, let me tell you something about that. Mm-hmm. That is going to be worth a lot of money one day. It's going to be golden. You were fans back when we were the Quarry Men, and now we're going to be the Beatles. <laughs> yep. Right? That's that's where you're you're at, you lucky, lucky geese. Lucky, lucky people. If I, <laughs> if I ever see you in person and you want me to autograph that stuff, I gladly would. Absolutely. So so that is that. I think we should uh, get into the episode. What do you think, Skinny uh, Matt? I like it. Let's, let's see what we got. All right. Here we go, folks. This is the abduction of Betty and Barney Hill. See you on the other side. Betty and Barney Hill were some pretty average folks. Betty was a social worker who handled child welfare cases, and Barney was a postal worker. One thing that was not quite regular about them at the time was they were an interracial couple. Barney was black and Betty was white. They were active members of the NAACP, and supported the civil rights movement. Basically, they were upstanding members of society, really good-hearted people. They both worked pretty long hours and often volunteered for their church and other causes. They were married for 16 months, but had never taken a honeymoon. So they said, fuck it. They decided to go to Canada for three days on a whim. They went to Niagara Falls and spent a little time in Montreal. They had a lovely little getaway and then headed back to their home in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. They left a diner in Vermont in their 1957 Chevrolet Bel Air around 10 p.m., figuring they'd get home around 2 a.m. But on the drive home, shit got weird. As the hills made their way home through the white mountains of New Hampshire, they noticed a bright light in the sky. Barney thought it was probably a satellite, but the darndest thing was happening. It seemed to be following them. Here's Betty. Actually, in the very beginning, I noticed a bright light in the sky, and I thought I was discovering a new planet until it started to move. 
So we stopped the car and got out. We thought it was a flight. So we stopped the car to get out to look at it. And that's when uh, it changed direction and started coming in towards us. For miles it would follow them. Sometimes it would duck behind some trees and reappear later. Now that was in about the Lancaster area. So, and then it followed us for about 30 miles. I used that car. And all the while, you and Barney were discussing it. What is this? What is yeah. that? Yes, yeah, so Barney did it World War II. He knew planes. Barney decided he'd stop the car, get out, take a look, and put this all to an end. After all, Barney was a plane enthusiast and was a World War II vet, so he has some experience in the field. And at that point, he left the top of the mountain, came out over the highway and stopped in midair directly in front of us, maybe about 50 feet in the sky. So Barney got out with the binoculars in an attempt to identify the craft. And when he looked up, he saw a circular window. Barney also could make out something else. He could see windows in the front of the craft. He could also make out beings looking through them, humanoid in form, wearing glossy black uniforms. He heard them say to put down the binoculars. He tried to raise his pistol, but somehow found himself unable to. And at that point, the craft began to descend, and he became frightened. Ran back to the car, saying he thought they were trying to capture him. So we got in the car, and we went speeding down the highway to avoid capture. At some point, Betty and Barney Hill heard strange beeping noises from their trunk, felt drowsy, and eventually lost consciousness. Their story picks up 35 miles later. Like I mentioned before, this is when they knew something was definitely not right. They took long showers because they felt contaminated for some reason. Betty decided to be proactive about the bizarre situation they found themselves in. She called the closest Air Force Base, Pease Air Force Base, and described their situation, but not entirely. She didn't want to seem crazy. Because I wanted to know, being exposed to a UFO, close range, were there any health problems? Were we exposed to radiation? What kind of dangers? This attracted the attention of Major Paul W. Henderson, who filed a report dated September 26th, that determined the Hills had probably misidentified the planet Jupiter. His report was forwarded to Project Blue Book, the U.S. Air Force's UFO research project, along with the information that there were some strange radar occurrences on the night of the Hills experience. These Air Force Base released the radar report, where they tracked this craft. It's like two planes out to check it out, and the reports of the pilots are still classified. This explanation didn't satisfy Betty's curiosity about the incident, though. She wanted more information. So she went to her local library and checked out a book on UFOs. It was by retired Marine Corps Major Donald E. Kehoe, who was also the head of the NICAP, the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, a civilian UFO research group. On September 26th, she wrote to Kehoe a letter explaining everything they could remember. She told him about the craft, the humanoid figures in the shiny black suits, the memory loss. 
Ten days after the Hills arrived back from their UFO encounter, Betty began to have a series of strange and vivid dreams. Ten nights after this happened, I had a series of dreams for five nights. Each dream was different, which later I found out was a recall of what had happened. She dreamt that small human-like men formed a roadblock and surrounded their car, losing consciousness and regaining it. She dreamt of being examined, of long needles inserted into her belly. She also dreamt that she spoke with one of the beings, whom she referred to as the leader, about a book and a map of stars. The dreams lasted five consecutive nights and then stopped. Over the next few years, Betty and Barney never publicly discussed their encounter, partly out of the fear they'd be thought of as goddamn lunatics, and partly because they themselves weren't exactly sure what had taken place. They would often retrace their trip through the White Mountains and try to go to the locations they thought everything took place in, in hopes it would jog their memories, but they had trouble finding it. Betty and Barney wanted to find out what happened to them in the two to three hours they couldn't remember. And they didn't have a lot of options. One thing they were leaning towards was hypnosis. Maybe under the control of an experienced hypnotist, they could retrieve pieces of that missing time. Talking to some friends at church, Barney's psychiatrist and an Air Force captain, they landed on who they thought would be a suitable and experienced hypnotist, Dr. Benjamin Simon. Dr. Simon, during World War II, served as chief of neuropsychiatry and executive officer at Mason General Hospital, the Army's chief psychiatric center. Simon was interested in the possible benefits of hypnosis to soldiers suffering from severe stress. Colonel Benjamin Simon even served as advisor to film director John Houston. Houston's documentary, Let There Be Light, was created for the Army to educate the public about shell shock or post-traumatic stress disorder and its treatment for veterans coming home from war. Although uncredited, Dr. Simon appears in segments of the film related to hypnotherapy. The film, however, was suppressed by the Army until 1980. Simon began hypnotizing the hills on January 4, 1964. He hypnotized Betty and Barney several times each, and the sessions lasted until June 6, 1964. Simon conducted the sessions on Barney and Betty separately, so they could not overhear one another's recollections. At the end of each session, he reinstated amnesia so they wouldn't remember what they had recalled. You will not be anxious or distressed, but you will remember everything, and you will tell me everything. Barney's Sessions Yes. Simon hypnotized Barney first. His recall of witnessing non-human figures was quite emotional punctuated with expressions of fear and emotional outbursts. It's right over my right. God, what is it? And I try to maintain 
control so Betty cannot tell I am scared. God, I'm scared. It's all right. You can go right on and experience it. It will not hurt you now. I got to get my gun. said that due to his fear he kept his eyes closed for much of the abduction and physical examination based on these early responses simon told barney that he would not remember the hypnosis sessions until he was certain he could remember them without being further traumatized under hypnosis as was consistent with his conscious recall barney reported that the binocular strap had broken when he ran from the ufo back to his car just stay there, he's saying to me. It's All right. I'll take you my head. Pull the binoculars away. God, give me strength. All right. Pull it down. Run. Pull his binoculars down and run. God. It says, my God, give me strength. I gotta get away. Oh. Oh. He recalled driving the car away from the UFO, but that afterwards he felt irresistibly compelled to pull off the road and drive into the woods. He eventually sighted six men standing in the dirt road. Won't talk to me. Who won't talk to you? The men. Is a vehicle? No, they are standing in the road. The car stalled, and three of the men approached the car. They told Barney not to fear them. He was still anxious, however, and he reported that the leader told Barney to close his eyes. Barney described the beings as generally similar to Betty's hypnotic recollection. The beings often stared into his eyes, said Barney, with a terrifying mesmerizing effect. I wanted you to be sure he was telling you this. <sighs> Calm down, you're still asleep. <sighs> oh, his eyes. His eyes. I've never seen his eyes before. <laughs> Barney related that he and Betty were taken onto the disc-shaped craft where they were separated. He was escorted to a room by three of the men and told to lie on a small rectangular exam table. Unlike Betty, Barney's narrative of the exam was less detailed, as he continued to keep his eyes closed for most of the exam. And I was lying on my stomach. Where were you lying on your stomach? I... I thought I was inside something but I did not dare open my eyes. I had been told to keep my eyes closed. Who told you that? The man. What man? That I saw 
the binoculars. A cup-like device was placed over his genitals. He did not experience an orgasm, though Barney thought that a sperm sample had been taken. The men scraped his skin and peered into his ears and mouth. A thin tube or cylinder was inserted into his anus and quickly removed. Someone felt his spine and seemed to be counting his vertebrae. I thought, how funny, if I keep real quiet and real still, I won't be harmed and it will be over. Betty reported a conversation with the leader that she understood in English. Barney said that he heard them speaking in a mumbling language he did not understand, yet he also understood them in English. The few times they communicated with him, Barney said it seemed to be thought transference. At the time, he was unfamiliar with the word telepathy. Both Betty and Barney stated that they hadn't observed the being's mouths moving when they communicated in English with them. He recalled being escorted from the ship and taken to his car. I opened my eyes and there is the car and the lights are off and it is not running. In a daze, he watched the ship leave. And we look and I see a bright moon and I laugh and say, well, there it goes. <laughs> and I'm happy. Betty Sessions. Betty exhibited considerable emotional distress when recounting her capture and examination. Simon ended one session early because tears were flowing down her cheeks. Unlike Barney's experience, Betty didn't keep her eyes closed, so her visual account was more descriptive. She talked about being pulled from the car initially and being assured of her safety. He said, don't be afraid. You don't have any reason to be afraid. We're not going to harm you. She recalled approaching the craft. They're, they're taking me up to the object. I don't want to go on it. I don't want to. I don't know what's going to happen if I go on it. I don't want to go. She's led to a room on the craft where she's told to undress and lie down on a table and they start their examination. So then they roll me over on my back and the examiner has a long needle in his hand and I see the needle and it, it's it's bigger than any needle I've ever seen. And I asked him what he's going to do with it. And he said, just a simple sense of alternate. And I asked him what. And he said, he just wants to put it in my navel. Yeah, it's just a simple test. And I don't know it will hurt. Don't do it. Don't do it. 
After they were finished, she got dressed and had a conversation with the being they referred to as the leader. She told him that no one would believe her and asked if she could maybe take something back as some kind of evidence. So he laughed and he said, well, what kind of proof did I want? What would I like? And I said, well, if he could give me something to take back with me, then people would believe it. And so he told me to look around and maybe I could find something I would like to take. And I did. And there wasn't much around, but on the cabinet, there was a book, a, a, a fairly big book. So I, uh, I, I put my hand on the book and I said, could I have this? And the, the leader laughed and he asked me if I thought I could read it. And I told him, no, I laughed too. I said, no, but I wasn't taking it to read that this was going to be my proof that this had happened. She also spoke of a map of stars that the leader showed her. And he asked me, had I ever seen a map like this before? And I walked across the room and I leaned against the table and I looked at it. And it was a map of, it was an oblong map. And he said that the heavy lines were trade routes. And then the other lines, the other lines, the, the, the solid lines were places they went occasionally. And he said that the broken lines were expeditions. So I asked him where he, what, where was his home port? 
and he said, "Where's the? Where are you on this map?" I looked and I laughed and I said, "I don't know." So he said, "Well then, if you don't know where you are, there wouldn't be any point." Am I telling you where I am? Betty hears the other crew members bringing Barney back and they lead the hills back to their car. On the way out, though, some of the beings are having a discussion. They seem upset at something. They call over the leader and then the leader talks to Betty. The leader comes over and takes my book. And I said, oh, I'm furious. I said, you promised me I could have the book. You gave me a word I could have it. And he said, I know it. He said, but the others object. They don't want you to have it. And I said, but this is my proof. If you take the book away from me, I'll have no proof that this has happened. And he said, that's the whole point. They don't want you to know it's happened. They want you to forget all about it. And that's why I'm taking the book. I, I won't forget about it. You you can take the book, but you never, never, never can make me forget about it. Because I'll remember it's the last thing I ever do. Simon gave Betty the post-hypnotic suggestion that she could sketch a copy of the star map that she later described as a three-dimensional projection similar to a hologram. When she drew the map, she saw it had many stars, but she drew only those that stood out in her memory. Her map consisted of 12 prominent stars connected by lines and three lesser ones that formed a distinctive triangle. She said she was told the stars connected by solid lines formed trade routes, whereas dashed lines were to less traveled stars. The 1966 publication Interrupted Journey by John G. Fuller details much of the Hill's claims. The book went on to sell many copies and greatly publicized the Hill's account. And let's talk about that star map for a minute. In 1968, Marjorie Fish of Oak Harbor was an elementary school teacher and amateur astronomer. Intrigued by the star map in the Interrupted Journey book, Fish wondered if it might be deciphered to determine which star system the UFO came from. Assuming that one of the 15 stars on the map must represent Earth's sun, Fish constructed a three-dimensional model of nearby sun-like stars using thread and beads basing stellar distances on those published in the 1969 Galice Star Catalog. Studying thousands of vantage points over several years, the only one that seemed to match Betty's map was from the viewpoint of the double star system Zeta Reticuli. Barney died of a stroke not long after their abduction, only eight years later in February of 1969. Betty Hill lived to be 85 years old, and died in 2004. Their story has a weird and wonderful place in history. And 
There's even a historic road marker on U.S. Highway 3 in Lincoln, New Hampshire, near where the event was said to take place. It's amazing that people are still interested in this event. We still have people to this day coming up and taking pictures of the marker and wanting to know about it. Peter Spanos and his family have run the well-known Indian Head Resort for over 50 years. He points us to the historical marker put up by the state outside Cabin 20 at the resort, the last spot the hills remember before their alleged abduction. Along with an alien-themed gas station. Fall Patel, owner of the Notch Express, Historical displays of the Hills story and other UFO-related events line the walls of the convenience store. But wait, there's more. T-shirts, hoodies, books, postcards, uh, some small toys, balloons of an alien. They made a movie about the event starring James Earl Jones as Barney in 1975 called The UFO Incident. Well, finally I convinced him that we had to report it. <laughs> she cried. That's, that's really what did it. Well, we never did it. We did call. Yeah. I wasn't too impressed with how the Air Force handled it. But when uh, Wayne Webb from the Hayden Planetarium contacted us, then I knew that Betty was right. and We had to tell everything we saw. The Hill story has undoubtedly made a significant mark on American culture, and it was a turning point in how we collectively thought about UFOs and extraterrestrial beings. I believe that Betty and Barney Hill story is true. There are too many reasons why I don't think the Hills just cooked this story up. Why would anyone put themselves through such scrutiny? They had enough misery to deal with in the 60s being an interracial couple. Why bring more tension on their lives? I believe that Betty was truly trying to tell us of their encounter and that we have been visited by aliens, not only in the past, but in today's society as well. As our technology has expanded, then it stands to reason, so has the aliens and their ability to observe us. Not only that, but both of their stories stayed spot on until they died. Not a thing changed. Think about this for a moment. Does an ant know that we are watching them? Does the shark know that it was pulled out of its home and had a tag placed on it and then sent back into the water so we may observe its swimming roots and mating habits? No, they don't. Just like we wouldn't have the mind power to actually understand if a higher being would do that to us. It's difficult for human beings as the most intelligent species on the planet to think that somewhere out there in the vastness of space that there are beings whose intelligence has immeasurably surpassed ours. Betty and Barney Hill's story is a stark reminder of that, for good or for ill. I think for a long, long time I had the feeling that I had sort of lived through a tragedy in some way. And sometimes even now I still have this feeling because it's something that's haunting. It's something that's always on my mind, no matter where I go or what I do. Because I do lead a very active life and I have many, many interests, but always that's on the back of my mind. It's the last thing I think of when I go to bed at night, and it's the first thing that I think of in the morning when I wake up. I expect it'll probably be that way for the rest of my life. Stick around, everybody. We'll be right back. Hey folks, Skinny Matt here. 
We just wanted to take a moment to let you, our listeners, know what one of our missions is with Skinny Matt's tinfoil hat. Right, Andy? That's right, Matt. Our goal is to be 100% listener-supported. We want to do this for a few reasons. First of all, we want total and complete creative control. We don't want anything to come between the truths that we uncover and our loyal listeners. We also think it's a great way to deliver some pretty cool stuff. We'll be posting all the interviews we do in their entirety, doing live Q&As on YouTube, and even sending you merchandise in the mail. You'll even get a personal thank you message from yours truly. But the best part is all of our Patreons will get early access to new episodes days before the general public. We also just want to give our listeners a way to support our podcast that we work really, really hard to bring you on a regular basis. The more support we get, the more content we'll be able to deliver to you. Don't let us down, soldiers. Become one of our Patreons today so you can show us some love and get access to some of the cool stuff that we have planned. Just go to www.patreon.com slash skinny mats tinfoil hat or find the link on our podcast webpage www.smtinfoilhat.com that's s as in skinny m as in matt tinfoilhat.com thanks a lot everybody now back to the show all right folks we are back skinny matt that was fantastic thank you it that uh, was fantastic it was very scary going down that rabbit hole. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, oh uh, yeah. Breathtaking. Uh, yeah. So. So you are a pretty firm believer in the fact that Betty and Barney Hill were abducted by aliens. Yes, I I believe that they were abducted by aliens. But uh, okay. Yes. I'm not convinced. Really. But I am also not convinced that they're lying. Interesting. I think that this is one of those weird instances where all these weird things fell into place and think that they're telling the truth, but they're not. Interesting. So let me let me take you through it a little uh, bit. So yeah, how did how did you come to that conclusion? So let let's go through the timeline of events exactly, right? Uh, just real quick. Yep. Betty and Barney Hill. Uh, leave uh, Niagara Falls or Montreal or whatever that was. Yep. And they stop at a diner. They calculate how long it's going to take to drive home, roughly. Yep. And this is before Google, so they were they were ballparking it. Yeah. Although they did just drive up from there. Right. So, you know. Right. They, so they're, they're ballparking Recent it. experience, yeah. So they make the drive. They see a UFO. They see something that they can't explain. Mm-hmm. They get out of the car. They check it out. You know, they pull over. They pulled over actually a couple times. Yeah. And then they got home and then they didn't feel, they didn't feel right. There was some weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And then they, and then they go on about their lives. Right. And then Betty has her dreams and then two years go by and then they do the hypnosis two or three years. I can't remember, but two or three years go by, they do the hypnosis and then we know how the rest of that goes. Right. Well, they, they did contact the, the air force that night. They did contact. Uh, I think it was the next night. I think it was the next night. It was still very, very, very close to when they, like, it didn't go a yeah, couple Yeah, they did. Days but that was or... after they thought that they saw a UFO. Correct. So it was not, back then, at that point, they didn't think they'd been abducted. 
Right. They didn't right, know what right happened. after they got they home. They just knew that they right. were missing some time. Yeah. Yeah. So they were missing some time. They said about two hours. What I think happened is this. I think that they drove home. They saw something. And there's a whole bunch of different explanations of what they could have seen. They actually could have seen Jupiter. Like there are pictures of what Jupiter would have looked like on that night. And mm-hmm. it was really, really clear and really, really bright. Mm-hmm. They could have seen there was a, a spotlight, some sort of light that went around by uh, Indian head. Yeah. That they could have but seen. It was, it was really, really clear that night. So that uh, it yeah. had nothing to reflect off of. No, but it could have just been the light. I mean, could, it, they could have they could have been reflecting off trees, you know, whatever. Yeah, it could have been a satellite. It could have been like Barney said. It could have been a satellite. It could have been. Oh, there was um, what do you call it? You know those cable cars mm-hmm. that take you up a mountain. Yep. You know, it's yep. like a big like car on it. Yep. Right with windows. Yeah. And it takes you up a mountain. There's mm-hmm. one of those by Indian Head, and they said it could have been that. Hmm. Like the light could have been shining on that. Uh, so there's a bunch of things it could have been, right? And then they drove home, and maybe they lost track of time a little bit, and maybe it wasn't two hours. You know, maybe that got inflated over time. You know, maybe they got home. A lot of maybes in there. Right, but I'm just saying they could have lost track of time a little bit and thought that they lost time. Okay. When actually it, the drive took a little longer than normal, okay. especially when you're stopping multiple times right? to look at this weird thing that they're seeing. So then Betty starts having nightmares, uh, which could have been just nightmares, not recollections. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they start getting in their own heads about this. And then it, it, it propels them there. So what, what I'm saying is how they're not lying is with uh, the regressive hypnosis, Mm -hmm. they could easily be, recalling false memories which happens a lot with regressive hypnosis and we'll get into that later but but it doesn't necessarily mean they're lying right they could they, betty could think that these nightmares were memories instead of nightmares All right. so they're not really making stuff up you know they just they're like you they believe something happened so hard <laughs> that they want to make it true that's that's funny that's you know funny no, I don't. So, no, I, I, so I, I think that 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 it's possible, and I don't even know if that's this is true, but I think it's possible that they that it didn't happen, and they're not lying. So let let's go through a few things why I think it didn't happen. First of all, the the aliens' appearance, mm-hmm. right? Everything in Betty's nightmares came out in her regressive hypnosis therapy, right? All, all, all of that came out, except like stuff for that one was, thing. Yeah, in her nightmare. Like, the nightmare she had is basically in what In the she nightmare, said. she describes the aliens as short guys with black hair and Jimmy Durante noses, which <laughs> is is a silly description of aliens, right? Right. That's just, that's just weird and silly. Big, giant noses, short, black hair. She's describing them as, like, like anti-Semitically. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Right. So so Barney's hypnosis, right? He describes the skinny figures with gray skin and large bald head and huge black eyes. Right? He describes them the way we all think of aliens. Right. Which from what I can tell, this is the first uh description of those type of aliens. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think those that those that those type of aliens happened before. Right. And 
I don't know if you know this. You probably do. But 12 days before Barney went into for hypnosis, he there was an episode of The Outer Limits called The Bolero Shield. Do you know about this? Uh-uh. Bolero Shield. The Bolero Shield. Now, did you, you know what The Outer Limits is, right? Yeah, absolutely. The Outer Limits is like a it's kind of a low rent twilight zone. Yeah. You know, it wasn't as good and this episode I watched it. It was not good. <laughs> it's not good. So this is the Bolero Shield. I'm going to turn it down a little bit. So basically what this is about, it's about uh, this guy who has this uh, communication thing. He's a scientist. And he's got this communication thing in his house that shoots a laser beam up and it attracts an alien that comes down. And the alien has this shield. So let me fast forward to a place where we see the alien. Here it is. Even through your shield? That's your alien right there. Yeah. Twelve days. It's called the the Bitfrost alien. Okay. Now, if you look at that, that looks exactly like a gray, except for the big black eyes. But you can still see how those eyes there kind of wrap around the head. Right. Yeah, but just I mean, just because this thing aired doesn't mean Barney saw it. No, but. It's quite a coincidence that he describes an alien that was on that, but it's not just that. You know why it's uh, you know why it's such a about, coincidence is because the government put all this out there to hide that they're working with these aliens. It's just all to make them sound kookier. Is that right? Yeah. The government knew all this was going to happen. They had a report of the UFOs that night. The government put out a super shitty episode of the outer limits absolutely they helped put out a super <laughs> shitty episode of the outer limits because that would help people like you try and explain away the truth and not see it for what it is yeah i don't think so i think this is i think that's such a wacky like explanation when it's what's far easier to say barney just saw a kooky episode of tv the government the government and, ran and tv also, back in the day they were they they no, were they the, didn't yes they did Yes, they, they were writing episodes and Bullshit. and going in and telling people how to do their Bull special effects. Uh, I don't believe that for a second. But there's a whole bunch of other reasons. Let me give you let me give you another example. So I don't think he just saw that episode. I also think he saw an episode of the Twilight Zone. This episode was called Hocus Pocus and Frisbee. Right? Now, this episode was kind of cool. So Frisbee is this guy who's just full of shit, right? Okay. And he says all, he makes up all these fucking wacky stories, mm -hmm. right? So aliens come down and they want to get the person on earth who has had the most earthly experience. <laughs> so they don't get that Frisbee is full of shit, right? Right. right. So they pick him up and they say, we're going to take you back to our planet. And you're going to tell us all about your species because you are the one who's lived the most out of everybody on earth. Because we've been listening to your stories, right? <laughs> right. So these are the aliens. But what I wanted to show you is the aliens in this. Now, if you're Barney and you see this and you see the Bitfrost alien, and this, this, I think this aired in 1962. So like right in between, right before the, like about a year before they saw the hypnotist. Yeah. Well, one thing I'll say about you, you sure are built hard. Oh, we are indeed, by your standards. See, same kind of build as these, as the aliens. Sadie, do you mind if I relax a little? <laughs> I 
Frisbee's harmonica kills the aliens. Kind of boy. I was figuring on giving a concert on Get this em. someday. Get him. <laughs> Get him. And then put that probe up your butt. All right. So, so that's that, right? Frisbee escapes because he plays a harmonica. But those aliens, those also look just like the aliens that Barney describes. Yeah, but what happened was they had their UFO experience, and then they were at home, and then Betty has those dreams, right? And I believe Betty probably had some dreams, and she's pissing in Barney's ear about it for two years, right? She's talking for two years. Also, her sister had a UFO experience, Hmm. and her sister was the one that convinced her to go get hypnotherapy because she said, Betty, you know, these, these dreams you're having, they're not dreams, they're memories. So Betty's kind of a kook. Betty's credibility was not very good. So she's pissing in Barney's ear for two years about this, which is where he gets all the ideas to tell the story. But she's going, yeah, these aliens have like Jimmy Durante noses and black hair. And Barney was like, nah, that's kind of stupid. I, just, I got a better one. <laughs> just, pissing, just pissing on these poor dead people that just tried to expe- share their experience with you. I'm not pissing on these poor dead people. I'm pissing oh on their God. idea. I'm, I'm, and I'm not pissing on it. I'm refuting it. I don't think it happened. I, it did. So Betty's sister supposedly had a close encounter story that Betty often told to friends. When Betty was older, she was a fixture at UFO conferences, right? So Betty's story actually probably did make her some money. She also wrote a self-published book that had a lot of kooky shit in it. In Betty's book, it said, this is from an article called from from Vocal.com about Betty's book. Over time, Betty Hill became something of an embarrassment to the UFO movement. Her stories told of a secret UFO landing field, of her car being blasted by a UFO's heat ray, of UFOs with their undersides painted to look like ordinary airplanes, of the local plundering of a supernatural chicken mutilator, of her neighborhood's of her neighbor's levitating cat, <laughs> of her own precognitive and clairvoyant ESP powers, of her continual harassment by sinister government agents, of the visit to her home by the capricious poltergeist of a dead six-year-old orphan, and other equally unbelievable tales. So Betty was no stranger to telling wacky, wild stories. It was normal for her. And that's something that all the Betty and Barney Hill stories kind of leave out because they want Betty and Barney to be just normal people. Because when it happened, they were. And then when it happened, it fucked them up. No. They Betty's got sister abducted had by the aliens UFO. and nobody Be- believed Betty, them. Betty had her close encounter. In, uh, Betty's sister had her close encounter in 1957. They were all tied up in it before this. They just weren't very vocal about it. No. And their story wasn't famous. Uh, also, the, the needle that Betty describes, I have another clip for you here. Betty was a big fan of sci-fi. After... She got abducted. Well, she was a big fan of sci-fi before that, too. So she probably saw Invaders from Mars. In the book that I read, it said that she was not a fan of sci-fi before she got abducted. It wasn't until after she got abducted. I don't know if I believe that. I believe that she maybe not have been a fan, but she's probably seen sci-fi movies like Invaders from Mars. No. she's All right, so check this out. This is from 1953. So notice here, this woman... Mm-hmm. who's being abducted by these aliens. Mm-hmm. There's some green men, and there's there's the leader yep. who is uh, in a globe with a big brain and some, some octopus tentacles. But there are these two other aliens, 
here's the woman that they're going to capture, right? They've abducted them, and they, they're in their underground lair uh, while the army's trying to find them. Right. So here's this woman. Notice how her dress also is torn. Mm-hmm. The sleeve of her dresser, the shoulder. Yep, the dudes are coming to so pick now her up, lay her on the table. Now She's they're, they're putting her up. Little kids trying to fight the octopus head. Yeah, and they put her up on an operating table. So far, this is following Betty's story pretty accurately. And she's she's screaming, oh, there's the needle. There's the needle. Oh, and oh, we'll wave it. We'll wave our hands in front of your face. Now she's falling asleep. We'll hit her with the they sleep ray. They put a ray. light in her face. It was a sleep mm-hmm. ray. That's what it was. Here comes the army. The army's coming to save her. Here's that big, long needle. That's what we're looking at there. So here we have a woman being abducted. Her dress was torn. She's laying on an operating table, and they're about to put a big, long needle into her. A lot of that adds up. A lot of that adds up to Betty's story that came out six years later. Yeah. Do they, sh- do they show her getting hit in the navel with the needle? Do they show the needle moving at uh, all? The needle starts coming down, yeah. Like but I think head, they though. put it. I think they're putting it in her back or in her head. Yeah. Okay, so that's one difference out of five or ten. No, and that needle is coming out of the top of the ship. Like it's the whole fucking ship going into her head. Okay, but she's being abducted, and they're putting needles into her, and she's laying on an operating table with a torn dress. There are similarities yeah, there. The the government. Quite a bit of them. I told you the government. There's Look at the that. needle it's right needle. there. It's it's that's not even a needle. It looks like a plunger. The, oh, no, no, no. The needle's in the middle. Oh, how convenient for your needle. <laughs> Listen, this is all the government seeding these thoughts into your head to just so that way when it happens to you, people can go, oh, no, look, he just got it from that. Like, that's where he got it from. That's what he's Well, he's I suppose crazy. it could be, but I don't think it is. It's a tactic. It's like if we showed sharks in the ocean, hey, look, they're, they, they had shark movies and they showed sharks being abducted. And getting shit put on their back when it actually happened to another shark, they'd be like, oh, fuck you, man. You just saw that movie. Yeah, but sharks don't have movies, Matt. I know. That's why the aliens got to be smarter and use movies you to know, our advantage. We, we have movies. We we can be influenced by these. We can. And we are. You know, we can regularly. have nightmares about them. Well, yeah, because you're, you're, you're basing the fact that they made this story up on something that you may or may not have known that they saw. Yeah. Like you're basically saying that. You're 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 telling me that they could or could not have seen this. You have no proof that they did or that they ever did or that they ever watched or did anything. No, but I but I but I do have proof that it aired twelve days. I do the Outer Limits aired twelve days before Barney said that. Okay, that's so, fine. That, that, but that doesn't prove uh, that Barney with, saw it. Aliens with wraparound eyes, like in in science fiction, didn't exist until then. They had well, so then, but she was she she said that they but did. like what's more plausible? What is more plausible, Matt? That these people were influenced by things they saw in pop culture, and set it under, you know, under hypnosis, which is shaky at best, or that they were abducted by aliens from another planet. I'm gonna say abducted by aliens from another planet. That's more plausible, yes, really, absolutely. I don't know if they were or they weren't, right? I wasn't there. I didn't see it. I didn't experience what they experienced. But as somebody that reads their story and hears their story, I can't help but be compelled to believe that that happened to them because they said that it it did. It is a compelling story. There was was proof to go. Like the, 
the even the Air Force, they had they had things that they they found radar impulses that that right. matched the time frame of when they were traveling. Like, yeah, it's, I have I have something on that too. It's not far fetched for me to think that aliens are out there and that, that they have been an influence in our civilization. And they continue to be an influence in our civilization without us knowing because people refuse to look past the matrix and see that it's happening because they don't want us to, they don't want people to see that, but they still need to run their experiments. Well, let's go on. I have a whole bunch. I have a whole bunch more by Barney and Betty are full of shit. Oh, this is just gonna make All right, me so this angry. is uh, an episode of To Tell the Truth. Now we always we always talk about Betty and Barney Hill not wanting to seek the spotlight, not wanting fame, because they're just normal people and they just don't want the spotlight. Here's Barney on a game show. Do you remember how To Tell the Truth worked? Yeah, yeah. They had so there's three there's people, like three up. contestants, yeah. and they say they all say that they've been abducted by an alien, yeah. and the 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 contestants have to pick who actually said it yep. by asking them questions. Yeah. And one of them is telling the truth, the others who are lying. This is just Barney's bits. What is your name, please? My name is Barney Hill. Incidentally, panel, the story of Betty and Barney Hill is the subject of a fascinating book by John G. Fuller called The Interrupted Journey. Let's start the questioning with Orson Bean. Orson? Thank you. Well, I, I, whoever you are, I want you to know that I read every word of, of the story that was printed in the magazine about you, and I believe it. I, it's impossible to disbelieve. What physical symptoms did you later notice? I'm referring to physical uh, things uh, that appeared on you. Uh, warts. Warts. Yes. Hmm. Kitty Carlisle. When you were examined physically, were you examined in the usual sense that we would make an examination in uh, on Earth? Yes. You were? Yes. Uh, I'm sorry, Kitty. Tom. Thank you, bud. This is a, a great story. We could spend a lot of time, and I will. Number one, <laughs> do you actually have any memories of this? Yes. Were you alert when you were in the ship and awake? Uh, more like in a somnambulistic state. Then you So that's pretty much it. There's there's more, but but uh Barney Hill kind of uh was a big fan of uh going on game shows. Big fan he did get a little, he did get one a little game famous show. there. One game show. <laughs> well he died shortly after. For lunch money. He died like two years after that. Yeah. Uh but I I think that kind of like gets rid of the fact that they, they didn't like the spotlight. So now we have the evidence. The first report was from Peace Air Force Base, about 82 miles southeast of Indian Head at 2.14 a.m. The Hills got home to Portsmouth at 5 in the morning on September 20th. Their story states that they came to after their medical experiments about 35 miles south of Indian Head near the town of Ashland. From Ashland to Portsmouth is about an hour and 45-minute drive. So they came to in their car around 3.15. The chronology puts Pease Air Force Base's UFO radar evidence squarely in the middle of the Hill's three-hour medical experiments aboard the spaceship, which they say was sitting on the ground the whole time. If the Hill story is true, the Pease Air Force Base report must be an unrelated event. So even the UFO evidence doesn't line up with that. And there were two reports, right? 
The second report is from the North Concord Air Force Station, a small hilltop radar station that closed in 1963 that was about 40 miles north of Indian Head at 522 on September 19th. This is about seven hours before the hills observed their light in the sky. It clearly does not corroborate the hill sighting. The reports in the Project Blue Book note that each targets extremely high altitude and low speed and concluded that each was probably a weather balloon. If there's if there's one thing we we uh collectively think about UFOs is that they don't there's no low speed. They're very fast. No, not all of them. They can be slow. They have variable speeds. It's not like Yeah. Right, but they it's not like a set, each one like it doesn't just have to move at this like a speed of a balloon. It can go to the speed of a jet plane or they conclu- go to the speed of a right, balloon. but they concluded that each one was a weather balloon. Well, you disagree? I do because the government and UF and them have been doing that since the dawning of the UFO world. What since we first since we first discovered unidentified flying objects in our radar system. The government has always explained them as something other than what they are, even when they don't know what it is, especially when they don't know what it is. They always say well, it's a weather balloon other than what you or think it's they a are. balloonist ball of, of gas that ignited over. It's a, it's it's swamp gas that ignited over the forest is what created those but, lights. But and then, they do that. Then, so people go, oh, OK, I feel safe now. They know what it is. So but how in do reality, you they don't know what it is, but they just tell you that to make you believe it. Right. That's what you think. No, that's what they do. No, that's what you think. So you think no, they that's do. what they've been doing for years. You can look at there's no, there's, but, well, there's thousands and this, thousands though. of UFO files out there where the government was like, oh, we told them it was a weather balloon, but really we don't know what it was. So anyhow, the star map, let's get into that. Okay. Carl Sagan and other astronomers have said that it is not even a good match for Zeta Reticuli and that Betty's drawing is far too random and imprecise to make any kind of useful interpretation. With its third dimension removed, Betty's map cannot contain any useful positional information. Even if she had somehow drawn a perfect 3D map that did exactly align with known star positions, it wouldn't be evidence of anything other than that such reference material is widely available in sources like the Galee Star Catalog. We would not conclude that an alien abduction is the only reasonable way that Betty could have learned seven or eight star positions during those two years. So I actually think that what happened with this was Betty drew a random bit of stars. Our plucky elementary school teacher and her beads and yarn (laughs) worked tirelessly to cram that narrative into something that made sense. Mm -hmm. And then they ran with that. Like, and also let's talk about alien technology and how shitty it is for a minute. Uh, Memory erasing technology is so shitty that one hypnotist can coax it out of them in in once in two or three sessions. What a shitty technology that is. That's not shitty. It just doesn't work on everybody. It's completely shitty. It didn't work. It's not shitty. That's like, uh, it just didn't work for those two people. But it works so on not all the that, other ones that they did it on. It worked on all the other ones, but those two people, it didn't work. Pretty much every single alien abduction story that comes to light comes to light because of uh, uh, hypnosis regression therapy. So let's get into that. This technique can be used for some good. 
but they think of it as more of a mindfulness technique where you're not scraping your mind for erased memories. You're just kind of like intently focusing on memories that you already do have. That's where hypnosis regression therapy actually can help. Like when they're trying, when they're investigating a police witness Mm -hmm. and they want that person to remember certain details of their, of, of a thing that happened to them. Right. But the technique has its pitfalls. A subject in the highly suggestible state may actually concoct fictitious details or an entire imaginary theme to please the subconsciously sensed desires of the interrogator. Researchers in California have hypnotized subjects with no previous UFO experiences or interests and asked them leading questions about a non-existent UFO abduction that subjects were led to assume that they had just undergone. They responded with a wealth of details conjured up from their imaginations. The story sounded no different from any of the classic abduction cases already on record, including Betty and Barney Hills. So you can actually coax an alien abduction out of somebody while they're under hypnosis pretty easily. (laughs) Okay. So I don't think the hypnosis technique really works. Man, you're just no fun. Uh, You know who else didn't believe the Hills were abducted? Dr. Simon. So here's a clip of... Betty and Barney Hill, they were on the Today Show, and they're, I'm sorry, Betty and Benjamin Simon, and they're sitting together in this clip, okay. right? I think. They're both being interviewed at the same time, Okay. And, and the interviewer asked Dr. Simon a question. And uh, what have you concluded from this, from your examination of uh, Mr. and Mrs. Hill? Uh, I, I don't uh, understand. What did I conclude? Did, did you conclude that they were actually uh, went aboard a spacecraft, or did you, did you conclude that it was a fantasy? I concluded that it was, if we make a dream, fantasy, fantasy dream, that it was a fantasy, as you put it. In other words, that it was a dream. So it did not happen? The uh, abduction did not happen. Now, the other incident came out clearly in both stories. And uh, he came out in Barney's uh, treatment with uh, the other psychiatrist. So I, up to the point of the abduction, I feel quite confident that there was a whole experience. And an experience with a UFO, if we clearly define that, it does not involve visitations from outer space, but it does involve seeing an object which cannot be identified at the time, whatever it is. I think that did take place, but from there on, I think it was largely a, a dream. So that's I'm kind of with Doctor Simon on that. So maybe maybe this fucking aliens technology wasn't that broken. Maybe it isn't that shitty. Maybe that's that was part of the programming of the alien abduction. Like it took them right up to the point to where they got abducted, and then after that, the memories that they have are so jarbled and fucking confused. That they can't help but seem fake to the doctor when he hears them saying it, or or they're just they just had a they had a wacky experience in the woods, and it just got wackier as time went on because Betty was prone to that. So you still think they were abducted by aliens? None of my none of my evidence makes any sense. No, no, it doesn't. I still believe that they were abducted. Are you by holding them. strong because you just want to hold strong, or because really like? There, there's plenty of things in pop culture that could have influenced them. There's plenty of reasons that hypnosis therapy doesn't work. There's plenty of reasons that Betty is kind of nutty. And, and like all these, when you add up all these things, nothing, because all these things are left out of the Betty, Betty and Barney Hill story in order to make it more believable. 
Right. Like if you included all my things, it wouldn't seem believable at all. But that's the point of it is like if 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 we as a civilization need it to not be believable, because if it is and it was truthful and this actually happened, it would create a a, a ripple throughout our society that we we couldn't begin to contain or control or know. Like what yeah, you talk about that, but it, but alien abductions were taken real seriously, especially after that movie. Before that, like when the book came out, right? There were really no more alien abductions, right? There, it was just Betty and Barney Hill's story. Yeah. And that was fine. But when the movie came out in 1975, alien abductions exploded. They exploded so much that Betty got pissed and said, none of these people are getting abducted by aliens. Betty became as skeptical as me. <laughs> she goes, if this were true, we'd see 5,000 alien ships in the sky every day. You know? That's how many people were being abducted by aliens after that movie came out. The fire in the sky incident with the loggers mm-hmm. that got abducted. Yeah. That happened two weeks after that movie came out. Two weeks. I don't know. Listen. And here's what's here's another funny thing. Like other like other bullshit things that require evidence, mm-hmm. they're all going down because we all have smartphones in our pockets now. And it doesn't make any sense for people to have some weird thing happen to him and not take some sort of ev- video evidence, video or photographic evidence. That's why. So all it was like it was like when miracles went down after the advent of photography. Miracles s- plummeted. There were no more the miracles were happening all over the place all the time until photography came out, then none. And there was just an article in the Boston Globe a few years back how alien abductions have hit the wall. You're not hearing about them much anymore. Because now, now we have to prove it. No, it's because they've hit their quota, and now they're just sitting back and watching the research. <laughs> they've tagged as many as they need. They don't need to tag anymore. We've all been tagged. The ones that are going to be tagged have been <laughs> tagged, and they're running through around in the cattle pens that they call Earth and uh, creating other new little tags, and then, you know, we're going from there. Like, they don't need to tag all anymore. Right. They're just I, watching. I, they're just floating in the sky looking at us. Little ants waiting for us to harvest so they can fucking call us up and put us into jerky tubes. I don't know. Whatever the fuck well, aliens are going to do to us. I guess that makes way more sense than my explanation yeah. about cell phones. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a lot more fun anyways. <laughs> Listen, one day the aliens are going to come down and they're going to land and they're going to blow shit up and they're going to take over our civilization and they're going to be like, look, you can ask us one question. I'm going to raise my hand and I'm going to go, <laughs> have you abducted us? And then I go, yes. And show us all the video proof of all the anal raping that they ever did since they've been <laughs> observing our planet. And I'm going to look to Andy who's square in the face. I'm going to go, fuck you, dude. I was right. That's what's going to happen. I stand corrected. They're going to show the Benny and Barty Hill, her dress getting ripped, then fucking throwing a needle in her gut <laughs> and janking on fucking... <laughs> Barney Hill's balls and pulling out some sperm. They show all that. Then oh, I'm, no. I'm look you square in the face and go, yeah, fuck you, Andy. They did it. I told you. Government That's a wonderful it. fantasy, Matt. <laughs> no, it'll happen. It's going to happen one day. I believe in the multiverse. It's happening somewhere right now. Today's show was produced by Andy Morris and Skinny Matt. It was edited by Stanley Motts. The theme music today was by DJ Flandelicious. 
Outro by DJ Flandelicious and Rachel Delgado. And consider becoming one of our exclusive Patreon members at www.patreon.com slash skinny mats tinfoil hat, where you can get cool perks like early access to episodes, live Q&As, and merchandise you can only find at Patreon. And visit us at our website, www.smtinfoilhat.com. We'll have all the links for today's episode, which will really come in handy. All the stuff you'll need to follow along on this episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Skinny Matt's Tinfoil Hat is available wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Skinny Matt saying, watch the skies because the skies are watching you. Boards will warp unless kept dry. Corn cobs can be used to kindle a fire. <laughs> <laughs>